brought to you by RunToGold.com, the premier source for monetary science applied to geopolitical, international, and economic financial news and events. Hi all, welcome back to episode 38 of the RunToGold.com podcast. This is an interview I had on Contrary Investor Cafe, so enjoy. Jim Willie and Friends is a production of Radio CICN and is produced for informational and educational purposes only. Please remember that all content is solely and completely the viewpoint of Jim Willie and guest commentators and does not necessarily reflect those of the staff, advertisers, affiliates, or other guests of Radio CICN or ContraInvestorsCafe.com. everyone and welcome back to Jim Willie and Friends. This week we're here with Trace Meyer. Hi Trace. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well too. Uh finished a little bit of traveling, so it's good to be somewhat stationary for the moment. Yes, I can understand that. Well, I'm really glad you're here today because one of the things I wanted to talk to you was really the topic of one of your, your latest articles and that was the difference between physical gold and paper gold and the different investing. Um, I know that with you being a lawyer, you probably have a real insight as to, you know, some of the, uh, the, the rules and the backgrounds of some of these and what makes them, you know, either better investments or possibly really bad investments. Oh, yes. It's, uh, you know, being, <laughs> being a trend in the odds, probably a little too much faith in these paper instruments or, or lack of faith therein, but uh, definitely the legal language that's used in the construction of the documents uh, that govern the gold holdings uh, plays a large role in, in who, who has rights to it, who owns it, things like that. And so these property rights that are so important, uh, they're governed in the user agreements. And when you read some of these user agreements or prospectuses, uh, there are quite a bit of holes there, <laughs> so it's, it could be very dangerous to someone's financial health. And, of course, it doesn't really matter until it's the only thing that matters. Great. you want to give us a little bit of rundown on what you found out? Well, uh, and as uh, I'm sure most people here have either heard about or they've read my article on the ETF, it got a lot of attention Uh hundreds of thousands of people read it. It's really kind of what stirred up all of this uh, controversy over the, the ETFs. And what I did is I went line by line through the GLV uh, perspective and just pulled out some of the critical issues that uh, if I were to be investing in that particular instrument, I would take issue with. Uh, for example, on page 11, it states, uh, quote, neither the trustee nor the custodian independently confirms the fineness of the gold allocated to the trust. So, <laughs> I mean, there we have it right in the perspective. They don't confirm whether uh, this they have any bars of anything, and if they do have bars, they don't confirm whether those bars are gold or lead or zinc. So, wow. I mean, it's a, it's a risk factor right there, and yet there, there are investors who have put approximately 18 billion dollars worth of capital into the GLV ETF, thinking that they, well, some of them may think that they have gold, some of them may realize that there are these uh, defections 
there these defects in the prospectus as far as whether it is gold. But that's an important thing when when you read uh, the prospectuses and whatnot or the user agreements. You want to know that uh, what you what you own is what you think you own, and not to be under any real illusions about uh, what it is that, that you may or may not own. Uh, an interesting thing happened with, with that particular article. Uh, I got a comment from one of the readers on my site, and he said, well, it's absolutely ridiculous to say that, that the gold hasn't been audited, because I had alluded to that in the first, uh, the first article. And I usually... You know, I think one of the reasons I don't get many attacks on my articles is because I intentionally craft them uh, like a barbed arrow that if you if you go to attack my articles, it's like ripping out the barbed arrow head, so it actually causes even more damage. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, craft, like usual, I crafted my GLD article like this, and the person uh, fell for the bait, and they raised this issue about the auditing. And of course, I I was already a step ahead of him, and uh, and had my source down uh, that I was going to use. And so, on page eleven, it says uh, of the prospectus, it says, in addition, the ability of the trustee to monitor the performance of the custodian may be limited, because under the custody agreement, the trustee has only limited rights to visit the premises of the custodian for the purpose of examining the trust gold. So uh, it's very difficult to audit the gold, okay? And so that, that was my bait that I gave, I gave to somebody, and somebody, uh, somebody commented, but I'm not sure how you get to, quote, an audit of the actual physical gold is precluded from, quote, the trustee has only limited rights to visit the premises. He said limited rights is not no right. And so I, uh, I of course, then hit him with the real rule because in the, in the 10K, which is filed on a quarterly basis uh, with the SEC, let me see if I can get the exact quote here. Okay, here it is. This is on page 26 and page 18 of the 10K. It says, quote, gold held by the custodian's currently selected subcustodians and by subcustodians of subcustodians may be held in vaults located in England or in other locations. And, quote, in addition, the trustee has no right to visit the premises of any subcustodian for the purpose of examining the trust's gold or any records maintained by the subcustodian. And no subcustodian is obligated to cooperate in any review the trustee may wish to conduct of the facility, procedures, records, or creditworthiness of the subcustodian. Wow. So so there we have it. You know, I lay the bait in the original article, uh, and someone fell for it, and so so then it's, you know, they started messing with the arrow and decided they'd pull it out, and when they did, it, it ripped out this huge gaping hole of flesh that, that reveals in the 10K that that. There is no right of the trustee to audit the, the physical gold bullion in the GLD ETF. There's no physical right to audit it in the legal document. And so, <laughs> I mean, it's almost, it's almost uh, unbelievable, isn't it? There's, 18, there's supposedly $18 billion of gold in some vault somewhere, but the people who think they own that gold have absolutely no right to visit the premises and, 
and review or examine that goal. Have you ever heard I mean, of the old saying that some people have more money than sense? Yeah, well, anyone, anyone, who's, or anyone like John Paulson, the big hedge fund manager, I think he has 8.7% of GLD, uh, like $3 billion worth. Well, yeah, he's he got more money than sense if he's got $3 billion worth of this paper that, that, that is gold, and, and he's not even allowed to physically audit that $3 billion of physical gold. I mean, I would think that might even be uh, uh, gross negligence on his part as a money manager. But... Uh, you know, the sad thing is that I suspect that there are a lot of people who have, you know, the best of intentions and are really trying to do the right thing with their money that just don't have a clue because they don't have the, you know, some people are just so intimidated on reading all of the legalese that's put into these agreements. So they oh, just yeah, find I, on blind faith. Yeah, I get, I get emails all the time. It's like, oh, can you read? CEF, or can you read GTU, or what about the Perth Mint, or, you know, and I've only, I've only uh, really intensely examined the GLB ETF and uh, gold money, you know, as far as reading user agreements, because, like you said, it's not any fun to wade through, I think the GLD prospectus is like 40-plus pages of this legalese. I mean, it's no fun to wade through that. And it's crafted. You know, I, I went to school with all, all these people that crafted. I took securities regulation. It's no fun to draft these things. And the people who do draft these things, they get paid hundreds of dollars an hour to put in sneaky little clauses like this. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're getting paid to put in. So, uh, and it takes an equally, you know, in some cases it takes an equally skilled uh, mind to catch some of these sneaky clauses thinking that probably their worst nightmare is someone like you who has the same training that can ferret out the sneaky little clauses and reveal them to the people who need to know. Well, yeah, I'm sure that I upset somebody by just uh, by, by trying to pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. So, uh, might as well be you. Yeah, might as well be me. And, you know, one and, other thing I wanted to ask you about is in your article you were talking about the, the disparity between the, the recorded amount of paper gold and the actual physical gold there is known to, you know, be above ground and not, you know, not um, still waiting to be mined at being 140 to 1. Oh, yeah, it's probably at least that uh, as far as uh, there being physical ounces of gold and people who have ownership or claim on that on that physical ounce of gold is probably at least 140 to 1. Uh, mm -hmm. GATA actually asked the most, I quoted uh, GATA's article here because Chris and Bill, they usually hit right on the issue. And this, this is what they said in their article. Uh, Just as there may be plenty of gold left at Fort Knox, but those are not the most compelling questions. No, the most compelling questions are, who really owns that gold, and how many people have claims to it? Uh, because, you know, to, to, to stop a, a gold run or to stop a bank run, well, you have to have some gold uh, there. And so on Monday, you trot in uh, the British uh, finance minister, and on Tuesday, you trot in the, the, the German uh, finance minister, and maybe on Wednesday, you trot in the, the Swedish or the Austrian. But... But you, you trot them all in and say, oh, see, we've got the gold, nothing to worry about. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's really how this game is played. And what's happening now is people are getting a little, 
a little suspicious and they're, they're wanting to reduce their risk because that's one of the reasons you buy gold is to reduce your risk. Uh, there's not really any other reason to own it. You just you want to own something that's risk-free. And, and so you want to reduce these layers of risk between you and your assets, whether it's the legal documents, like not being able to audit your physical gold or not being able to take possession of it or whatever it may be. You just want to reduce these layers of risk and go with uh, institutions that are trustworthy or at least their documents are trustworthy and you trust uh, that they'll perform on those contracts. And it's, uh, yeah, it's getting a little shaky because the, the big vaults out of London, the Arabs are starting to truck their gold off. Uh, Jim Willie, he, he was talking about this, and and people are just saying, well, get, give me my gold right now, and it's getting harder and harder to come up with the physical metal, whether it's gold or silver, because it looks like silver has even more, uh, has an even higher ratio than the 140 to 1. So, it's, well, uh, all of this, when it comes down, should have a profound on the prices of these metals. Well, not not necessarily because, uh, like, maybe the ratio is 50 paper ounces to one ounce of gold. And so a bunch of capital moves into the gold sector, like the $3 billion from John Paulson. But as long as they can satiate that demand with more paper, uh, the price could even go down. Because, you know... <laughs> Say, say people want to buy 20 ounces worth of gold. If they if they sell 25 ounces of paper gold, well, that's going to drive the price down because it's five more ounces than, than market demand. So really what's, what's happened is uh, this gold price suppression scheme carried out by the Department of Defense and the U.S. government with a coordinated plan since the 1960s to manipulate the exchange rates uh, to keep the dollar strong. They've been able to keep playing... Uh, these, the basic, it's a Ponzi scam or a shell, a shell game with uh, just issuing more and more paper. And so people who are, who are uh, satisfied with paper instead of physical gold, they, they'll, they'll allocate their capital to that, which keeps the price from rising or in some cases might keep it lower than it might otherwise be. Okay. I, I guess I understood it wrong then. Well, well when, you, when you own a lot of something, why run a cartel to keep the price down? You know, central banks own a lot of this physical gold, or at least they purport to own a lot of the physical gold. But if you own a lot of it, why run a cartel to keep its price down? Well, the reason is because their power and ability to issue fiat currency, their paper franchises, that's infinitely more valuable than the price of a portfolio asset, uh, which is gold. But see, gold's a currency. It's not a portfolio asset, but everybody views it as a portfolio asset. And because we do that, uh, we're, we're content with accepting these paper promises and things like that. But all that's done is it's, keep the, it's kept the price artificially suppressed because they're able to satiate demand for the physical. See, people are like, oh, I want gold, but instead of demanding the physical metal, they will accept some type of paper promise. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's really, you know, if we look at gold demand, uh, there's physical gold and there's paper gold. But there's a lot, a lot of the, the demand for gold is being met with paper gold. And people just need to uh, change their attitude and be like, oh, well, I just want physical gold in my hand right now. <laughs> 
You know, that that's what that's what should happen. And of course as there's more and more risk and more and more fraud and more and more things like Bernie Madoff, it'll cause people to uh to move into the physical gold. Uh like the Royal Canadian Mint. They've they've stopped all employee bonuses and they've sent in an army of external auditors because they think that there's twenty million dollars of physical gold that's unaccounted for. Whoa. Or another another example, you know, here this is great. Uh I put this in my ETF article because Morgan Stanley and Company is one of the custodians for the for the quote unquote gold in the the GOD. And uh, this is what I wrote in my article. I said, for example, in June of 2007, Morgan Stanley and Company settled a class action lawsuit for 4.4 million dollars, where the complaint alleged quote that Morgan Stanley told clients it was selling them precious metals that they would own in full and that the company would store. But Morgan Stanley either made no investments specifically on behalf of those clients or it made entirely different investments of lesser value and security. So here's one of the, the custodians for the GLD ETF. They had their high net worth clients that wanted to buy physical gold and they went and told them, okay, we're going to buy physical gold for you and we're going to store it. And then they never bought a single ounce of gold. They still charged them storage fees. <laughs> and, and now the efficacy of this complaint, we, we don't know whether, whether uh, Morgan Stanley is actually culpable in this because the case was, was settled out of court. But to initiate this type of litigation against the company, uh, I mean, that's more than just a better business bureau complaint. And Morgan Stanley did settle for $4.4 million. But it just goes to show you that we have some people with more money than cents. You know, they, they, they try and make multi-million dollars worth of investments in physical metal with, with these uh, large Wall Street investment firms like Morgan Stanley. And yet Morgan Stanley tells them, oh, yeah, we, we bought metal for you and we're storing it, but and they charge them storage fees, but they never bought any physical metal. I mean, how many people out there have investments in gold or silver that don't actually have the physical metal behind them? And they might be lied to. Uh, for Let's assume for the sake of argument that Morgan Stanley really did do everything that they said in the complaint. Well, that would be uh, intentional fraud, uh, you know, defrauding and embezzlement of their customers. You know, how many how many people out there are being defrauded or embezzled uh, by from from the person who's storing their gold or silver? I mean, we don't know, but that contributes to this hundred this approximate hundred and forty uh, ounces of paper for every one ounce of physical. I mean, we don't know exactly how many uh, ounces of paper gold have been sold for every ounce of physical because. Uh, even though gold is such a transparent asset, you know, it's either in your hand or not, the gold market's very shady. Uh, you got you got these unsavory characters lurking in the shadows saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll buy some physical gold for you, and, and I'll store it, and won't charge you very many, much for the premiums, and yet they never actually go buy any physical metal. And, I, I and find it, it amazing that, you know, you, you, get, you get a company that settled you know, the claim on that, like Morgan Stanley, but there weren't any charges filed. I mean, you know, you send, yeah, no. you send people to, to jail for less. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if they're smoking marijuana or they steal a car, you know, they steal a $5,000 car, they're going to go to jail for Grand Theft Auto. But, 
Right. You know, if, they, if they embezzle $4.4 million by, by buying people uh, paper gold instead of real gold, they they settle it out of court and there are no charges filed. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. But, yeah. uh, I mean, who's really causing more harm here? But uh, it's, and see, it's not just, uh, it's not just, you know, multi-million dollar deals, you know, small deals that maybe, oh, I want one or two million dollars of gold. I was actually talking with uh, James Turk because I'm, you know, I'm friends with James Turk and we, we have lunch and dinner every now and then. And I was, I was talking to him and he was telling me a story about when they first started up gold money and they're going around to the bullion banks kind of telling them, yeah, we want to buy LBMA bars because the London Bullion Market Association bars, that's that's the gold standard. It's the refiners. They bring them in. You know those bars are, are physical gold. They have a chain of integrity, chain of custody. So he, he's going to the bullion bank saying, yeah, I want to buy physical gold. And they'll quote him a couple different prices. They, they'd quote him a price if he, if he had the physical gold like in their vault in allocated storage or in their vault in unallocated storage. He's like, well, no, we want to actually like take possession of our physical bars, and he said that their reaction was, well, nobody does that. I mean, why would you <laughs> want to do that? <laughs> and he couldn't find anybody to sell him gold bars that he could truck off. <laughs> but eventually, he found someone that would sell him gold bars that he could truck off, and now Gold Money has, I think, it's over six hundred million dollars worth of of LBMA bars in their vault, and and they publish a list every quarter where it shows the serial numbers of the bars, and it shows what pallet they're on, and there's uh, real extensive checks and balances, and they, they complete a SAS 70 Type 2 audit, which is one of the most strenuous audits that uh, auditors do, and so it's, uh, it's a lot cleaner and a lot more transparent, uh, the system is. And so, you know, when the system is clean and transparent and there are multiple people uh, with different responsibilities, it decreases the risk of fraud because you have to have collusion between multiple parties. And, you know, Deloitte and Touche isn't necessarily going to collude with Andium Trust and Viamat to, like, steal the gold. <laughs> right. But, you know, it could happen. It could happen. I'm not saying it. it won't happen. I'm just saying that the probability is a lot smaller than if you have custodians of subcustodians of subcustodians who have, and you have no right to audit the physical gold. And I mean, what type of mess is that? I mean, of course, the the risk of fraud increases when there's no right to physic to audit the physical gold. Of course, the the risk of fraud increases because the person knows that they're that if they do engage in a fraud and they take possession of the gold and run out the vault with it, that nobody's going to be checking on it for a long time. <laughs> because they, well, and, you, you and have they have to no think, right to check on it. <laughs> you have to think when, when you ask for, you know, a, a securities lawyer, like you said, to write a perspective with the, the sneaky little loopholes in it, that the intention for fraud was premeditated. <laughs> well... It, it might look that way, and the circumstantial evidence might point to that. I mean, I don't want to necessarily accuse people of doing something wrong that they haven't done, or at least that we can't prove. Uh, well, but it looks that way. You're right. Character. You can't prove it. But, but anyone but yeah, with half a thinking brain would suspect it. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, anyone would have a brain. You know, they'd be like, man, this is this looks like a red flag. And you know, that's kind of me. I I I've been waving a red flag the whole time, saying, hold up, hold up. You know, you, you might not want to own this thing because they're a little. There's some uh, there's some potentially systemic problems with it. Uh, whether those problems will materialize or not, well, that remains to be seen. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be that guy at the end of the line who doesn't have any goals. You know, I I don't want to be that guy. (laughs) And so you can be that guy (laughs) or or someone listening to this, they can be that guy, uh, but I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy with the gold in my hand because I want to be able to buy breakfast. I don't want to be cooking breakfast. (laughs) <laughs> for someone else. Right. You know? so, right. so I just, I don't want to be that guy. And uh, at the end of the bank run or, you know, at the end of the line at the bank run or the gold run or, or whatever it is. And so I, I'm very, I try to be very safe and conservative with, with my investments and what I own. And I like to know what I own. And if I, if I don't understand it or I don't like it, uh, then, you know, I'm not going to buy a particular asset, whether it's a bank stock or a, a junior mining company or a GLD ETF. You know, I need to understand what I own <laughs> before I'm going to buy it. Right. You know, at the risk of us sounding like we're, we're a, a commercial for gold money, um, which I wouldn't mind being because uh, James Turk is a friend of us as well, um, but it, it seems to me that gold money and places like gold money would really be the only logical option if you want to own, you know, say, more gold than you could conceivably store in your own house. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at a gun safe so right now. It's going to cost $900 to ship the gun safe. So, I mean, we could fit a lot of gold in that thing. But, you know, we don't necessarily want to have a bunch of gold in one particular physical location. We might want it in London and some in Zurich, which gold money operates. And, you know, gold money is not necessarily the only... A provider. It's just the only one I've intensely researched. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants to pay a bunch of money, I, I'll go research something else. But until then, I, you know, I have other more important things to do with my time. Uh, but there do appear to be other alternatives out there uh, that are reputable. Uh, I haven't researched them myself, but there's others like Perth Mint or uh, Bullion Vault. At least all the initial research I've done on Bullion Vault, they seem to be a pretty a uh, pretty good operation. I did I did uh, have a friend. He, he said that based on their financial statements that the owner had to lend the company a bunch of money, but that wouldn't uh, impact your ownership of the gold, from what I understand. Uh, it would just impact the continuity of the ordinary business uh, operation uh, if, you know, if they had to find some new management. But, it, but that loan wouldn't jeopardize your ownership of the bullion. But... Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you just, you, you know, we're all adults. We need to read our own documents and we need to make our own decisions about what type of risk we're willing to uh, incur, which is why I titled my article what I did. I called it, What is Your Gold Standard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for, for, for some person, they, they might be perfectly happy with the GLD ETF. But my personal gold standard is, uh, the corporate governance that gold money has, you know, and, and the past 70 audits, that's my gold standard in conjunction with uh, physical bullion in my own possession, you know. Uh, 
that, that's my gold standard. I, I either want the coin in my hand or uh, if I do have a third-party storage service, and I think that they do play a legitimate role in an investor's portfolio, then I'll go with something like gold money uh, where mm-hmm. I have a right to audit the gold, where the gold's insured, where it's LVMA with a chain of integrity and a chain of custody, uh, and so on. You know, I just because I'm, I don't know, you could call me Chicken Little because I think James Turk, he's chicken big, so. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so it's, uh, everyone has to just determine how much risk they are willing to take themselves uh, with whichever part of the capital that they're allocating. You know, some of my capital that I allocate, I'm willing to take more risk with. And so with that capital, I might be willing to buy the GLD or SLV ETFs. Uh, because I'm just trading them short-term or something and would rather use them than a futures contract or whatnot. So, I mean, it really just depends on on one's individual preference, uh, in my opinion. Well, and, and I think that makes sense. You're right. Everyone needs to do their own due diligence and take time to read or have someone read the agreements before they, you know, place a significant amount of money in any investment. And if people think that, that they're going to, you know, you, you buy gold because it's an insurance for when everything else fails. So, you know, if there is a problem with the GLT ETF, there will be no bailout <laughs> because oh, right. it's going to be complete pandemonium. So, <laughs> uh, so it's, I mean, there's not going to be a bailout if there's a problem with the GLT ETF. There's well, just, nobody bailed out uh, the Ponzi government scheme. <laughs> Oh, well, Bernie. yeah, government motors. No, I was thinking about the uh, Madoff. Nobody bailed out Madoff's victims. Oh yeah, and it's horrible. Like I was reading about, actually, one of the one of the kids' parents uh, down in Southern California, where I'm at, they had twenty million dollars with them. <laughs> he he oh. can't go to law school anymore because he can't get tuition money. <laughs> oh. So it's uh, <laughs> most unfortunate, but at the same time, there. Are, we're seeing there are a lot of people who thought they were part of the club and they're realizing that they aren't part of the club. You know, they thought they were part of the political elite or part of the business elite. And, and now they're, uh, they're learning that, Oh no, you're not part of the club. And, and they've lost their $20 million or however many millions of dollars that they have, uh, cause they trusted a particular character or institution or institutions that they probably shouldn't have. <laughs> right. Well, I'm really glad that we had this opportunity to talk today, and I'm, I'm especially glad that we have someone like you on this, this team that we've arranged because you bring a unique perspective being trained in the law. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of experience in these things, but they don't have the, uh, the ability to, to dissect, um, like you said in your article, scalpel, please, you know, to, to dissect <laughs> the, uh, the carcass so to speak, of, of these things and, and, you know, come up with the real truth. Yeah, and, and that, was, that, that, that section was actually uh, directed at some of the arguments that John Nadler had made. And, like, I, I like John, and, but at the end of the day, like, I argue ideas. Um, I argue arguments and assertions, so I don't, you know, it's nothing personal towards John and, and his uh, arguments that he made about the Royal Canadian Mint or about these issues with uh, physical gold versus paper gold, you know, 
I, I don't really have any beef with John. You know, if Big Bird made the same argument, I'd attack it the same way. So um, it's nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing about John. Uh, but you know, it's all about the argument with me. It's all about the right. word, uh, and I try to you know take the individual or the person out of it and just go based on the facts and based on on the words that are written there. Which is another skill you kind of learn in law school. You know, it's it's uh, you you work on the words and the facts as they're presented, and uh, you try to take the emotion out of it because there are a lot of mm-hmm. people who get all really emotional about things, especially in, uh, when it comes to money. And I think it's important to keep a level head. <laughs> well, and you can't yeah you can't think clearly if you're getting all emotional, and you can't analyze if you're not thinking clearly. Right, <laughs> exactly, and then you and then you make poor choices, right? Because you're uh, because you're you're not you're not balanced. <laughs> so so to wrap this up, instead of making poor choices, we want to you know emphasize that people really need to make good choices with their investments. So from you know from your recommendation, obviously this is not you know you're not telling everybody what to do with their money, but you know what what what's your your best analysis on what folks should do when investing in, in gold? Well, make sure that you know what you own. Uh, if you're going to buy a physical, if you're going to buy physical coins, go with a real reputable uh, company. Uh, you can usually find that out by looking at better business business bureau ratings. Uh, for example, last night we had some friends over for uh, dinner, and they were asking the same question, oh, how do I buy some gold? Because they had tried to buy some gold, I guess they tried to they tried to buy some from Monex, and Monex has an F rating with the Better Business Bureau, and they told me that they had a horrible experience with Monex, and so I was like, well, you know, I'd I'd use uh, American Precious Metals Exchange. They have an A plus with the Better Business Bureau, or uh, Mike Maloney. Uh, he he has a company, Gold Silver. Uh, goldsilver.com, or you can buy physical coins. I think he has a B plus or B minus or some, uh, not an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, but I know Mike, and I've had good dealings with him. And so you really have to find a good, reputable source that you're willing to do business with. And uh, then if you're going to buy any of the of the digital gold or the paper gold where it's stored by someone else, uh, I mean, I... I like a lot of these people, Peter Schiff or Mike Maloney, a lot of them are, are very weary of any of the institutions except for gold money. Uh, uh, so, in fact, uh, Mike Shedlock and uh, Doug Casey, Mike Maloney, Peter Schiff, all of them have publicly recommended gold money. Uh, but from what I understand, they haven't. They have not recommended any other uh, digital gold type uh, institutions. So. I kind of I'm gonna stick with the herd on that one and be like, well, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go online, you know, go look there. I actually have all the relevant uh, documents that someone would need for due diligence on my site uh, on RunToGold.com. Uh, I mm-hmm. have a I have a little section and you can go and it has all the due diligence for gold money. I've I've I have their certificates of incorporation. I have links to the relevant law the relevant Jersey law that they're governed under. So people can go there and do all their own due diligence, which I'd highly recommend people do before they well, 
send any money there because, you know, don't, <laughs> if gold money has a problem, you know, don't come yell at me <laughs> because, I mean, you need to do your own your own reading and stuff like that. But I compile it all, so it, it saves people a lot of time when they do uh, go and do their own due diligence. Because, I mean, I, I've had people that have, I've had readers that have wired millions of dollars over to gold money, uh, multiple readers, you know. So it's, uh, you know, don't, don't get upset at me. <laughs> you know, I try my best, but, you know, at the end of the day, you need to step up and take personal responsibility for your choices. And, you know, these people, I guess they would rather have uh, large amounts of money uh, there than uh, in their, you know, in their own personal safe or, or whatever. And definitely don't don't put anything in a safety deposit box because it might end up on eBay. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other issue. But, yeah, you go to my side. I've got a special video right now about how the states are seizing uh, safety deposit boxes as unclaimed property so that they can uh, sell, all the, sell all of it into, at auction and put it into the general fund. So, you know, don't, don't, don't. If you buy a physical gold coin, don't put it in a safety deposit box. That's just a bad idea. <laughs> Yet another bad idea. I, I mean, I got a link to the Pennsylvania State Treasury's eBay page, and they've got like 8,000 ratings. <laughs> they've been selling everybody's oh. stuff. Grandma's oh, pearls. No. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, so there's a little <laughs> friendly tip. If you buy your physical coins, don't go put it in a safety deposit box. Well, on that note, I think we'll wrap it up. And I know you mentioned your site, but why don't you do that again? Let folks know where they can, you know, find out more of what you have to say. Oh, okay. My site is uh, runtogold.com. You run to the gold for safety. And then I also have another uh, smaller site that I've just started with a friend of mine from law school. He's a litigation, he does litigation and privacy law. And that website is called howtovanish.com. And we talk about financial privacy and personal privacy and how to protect them and things like that. So it's it's a it's a kind of a parallel. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I think people enjoy it. So run to gold and how to vanish dot com or a couple of sites. All right, and don't forget to mention your book. Oh yeah, I have a book called The Great Credit Contraction, and you can you can find a link for that on Run to Gold. And uh, it, it gives an overview and a general roadmap of what's happening right now, the economic laws that are at work, and what people can do to protect and preserve their capital, which I, I'd highly recommend people get that. I've, I've had a lot of good uh, testimonials from people, and it's, it's written pretty, it's pretty simple, but it's very dense. Uh, for example... One of my readers, he's the director of cardiology at Harvard, and he loved the book. You know? And so I've had, I've had a lot of people like that, uh, Harvard MBAs that are running hedge funds, whatever. They, they said, wow, this is so profound, yet it's uh, so simple and easy to understand. So it's a, it's a good book for getting a good foundation for what's going on in the current environment. And where it's really forward-looking, you know, like the next, five, 10, 20 years. So I think it's important for people to understand uh, what economic laws are operating and why and what to expect. Otherwise, they, they might find themselves uh, making bad choices because they're, 
uh, not able to analyze the current situation. All right. Well, I know you've got a you've got a lunch engagement that you want to rush off to, so we're going to let you yes, go. Uh, okay, look forward to speaking you. with you again next month. Yep. Sounds great. Okay, All right. You take care, Trace. Well, there you go. That's episode 38 of the RunToGold.com podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast, the premier source for applied monetary science on the web.